You're listening to Rates and Lanes with Rico Mohammed. This is the show where we improve your knowledge of the freight market, improve your bottom line, and improve the transportation industry as a whole. We're talking Rates and Lanes. Let's move on down the audio road. Good evening, everyone. This is Rico Mohammed coming to you live from Atlanta, Georgia. Tonight, our special guest, Chuck Snow, will be joining us tonight. Chuck, if you're on the line, go ahead and press number one so we can get you um, pulled up on the call screen there, Chuck. Um, and tonight, we're going to start off as we normally do. We're going to go ahead and take a look at the uh, USDA trend lines, the USDA fruit and vegetable report, I'm sorry, and the DAT trend line report about the uh, weekly rates. Hopefully, everyone had a great week this past week. Um, and didn't get stuck in too much snow and, and was pretty prosperous. But we're going to quickly jump into this USDA truck rate report for this week. And the only market on this report that is showing some slight shortages that you might be able to take advantage of is coming out of Maine. And not really known for Maine really being a hotbed. But um, there's a link provided on the Facebook page to Rates and Lanes to this USDA report. And you can see exactly what's coming out of Maine. So if you happen to be in that area or something like advantage of it, every other area in the country seems to either be at an adequate supply, slight, slight surplus, and an outright surplus. Uh, those areas that are showing surpluses right now, Central and South Florida showing a major surplus of trucks. And you have slight surpluses in Mexico crossing through Nogales, Arizona, and San Luis Valley. Colorado. So those are areas that you definitely might want to avoid if you're moving any fruits and vegetables. But like I said, you can go check, go to the Rates and Lanes Facebook page and you can click on this report and it's there for your uh, full consumption. And it's a lot more in-depth, a lot more detailed than what we can go into here on the show. Also, just want to plug the Rates and Lanes Facebook page uh, if you haven't already done so, go over and like that page. We posted a, a good bit of stuff today, and um, if you get a chance, there's a there's a free tool that I found that I think that everyone definitely, if you're on this call, you're probably the uh, a lease driver or you're owner operator with your own authority tool that I found that Internet Truck Stop is offering. They offer a free cost per mile calculator. Uh, if you don't already know what your cost per mile is, but they have an excellent tool uh, that they have where you, you can put put in your estimated cost per mile values, and it has a way for you to actually enter your actual real number um, settings for your, for your trucks and your trailers and for your business, and it gives you uh, a projected 30-day projected cost per mile number, and it gives you an actual cost per mile number based on your actual numbers. And this is an excellent tool if you um we we've talked about and I've shared some some different spreadsheets that we've had um you know that we've been using ourselves to help calculate your cost per mile, but those are projections, and this gives you an excellent way for you to go in and have your projections projections and 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 compare them against your actual cost and it's like I said, you can't get better than free ninety nine so you can go over and check those guys check that tool out that they're offering over at Internet Truck Stop. Um, and I have a link to that on the Facebook page as well, so you can go over and check because we're all about 
break some lanes here and want to try to give you as much information as we possibly can to help you increase your bottom line. And there's no better way to increase your bottom line than actually knowing what your cost per mile is, your actual cost per mile. That's a really, really big, big tool to put into your toolbox. No further ado, we're going to jump over and talk and get into the DAT trend lines reports for this week. January 17th through the 23rd, the big winter storm didn't hit until Friday afternoon, so it had a minimal impact on the spot market demand and rates for last week. The load-to-truck ratio declined, and the rates edged down against, again as diesel prices dropped another $0.04 cents down to $2.07 per mile, I mean $2.07 cents per gallon on, on for a national average. And we're going to jump into and look and see where the U.S. national demand for van, the capacity and the demand report for the uh, van segment for January 17th through the 23rd. Van load postings declined 13% last week, and truck postings rose 2%. As a result, the load-to-truck ratio fell 14% from 1.7 down to 1.4 loads per truck. The national average van rate dipped $0.03 cents last week, down to $1.65 per mile. Now, the December ratio rises 18%. This is going back and taking a look at the month of December. Van load postings were up 17% in December. When compared to the previous month, truck postings held steady, which pushed the load-to-truck ratio up from 1.8 to 2.1 loads per truck. Compared to the unique conditions of December 2014, the ratio was down 43% over that time span. Let's take a look and jump over and see how U.S. van rates performed for the week of January 17th through the 23rd. On the spot market, van rates fell $0.03 cents to $1.65 per mile last week, which included a $0.01 cent decline in the, net, in the average fuel surcharge. Rates fell on high-volume lanes originating in south-central states and the west coast. Rates were mixed in the Midwest, southwest, and northeast. Taking a look back at the month of December, the national average rate van rates remained at $1.71 per mile in December, despite a $0.03 decline in fuel surcharge. Compared to December of 2014, last month's rates were down $0.37, cents, which includes $0.20 cents of fuel surcharge. Taking a quick look around the country, we have rates originating up in the northeastern portion of the United States, Coming out of Philadelphia, we showing an average rate for fans at $1.74. Moving down into the southeastern portion of the United States, we have Atlanta, Georgia checking in, showing an average rate for fans at $1.66 per mile. Moving into the Midwest, we have Chicago, Illinois checking in, showing an average rate for fans at $1.94 per mile, actually setting the high water mark coming out of Chicago for fans. Moving down into the south central portion of the United States, we have Dallas, Texas checking in, showing an average rate for $1.49 per mile for vans. Moving over into the west coast, the city of Angels, Los Angeles checks in, showing an average rate of $1.89 per mile last week. Moving on over into the flatbed demand and capacity report for January 17th through the 23rd. Flatbed low volume dropped eight cents, eight percent, and the capacity increased four percent. 
yielding a 12% decline in the load-to-truck ratio. The national average slipped from 8.3 down to 7.3 loads per truck. The average flatbed rates were down $0.03 cents compared to the previous week. Taking a look back at the month of December, flatbed load postings rose 7% in December, which postings declined 6%. As a result, the load-to-truck ratio for the month rose 13% from 6.7 up to 7.5 loads per truck compared to the unusual high demand of 2014. The ratio has been down 52% over that time span, though. Moving on over to the U.S. rates for flatbeds, for January 17th through the 23rd, the flatbed spot market rates dropped 3 cents last week to a national average of $1.87 per mile. Due partially to a one-cent dip in the fuel surcharge, the load-to-truck ratio declined 12% down to 7.3 loads per truck. For the month of December, the same time last week in the month of December, the national average flatbed rate in December was unchanged from the previous month at $1.92 per mile. Total rate was down 36 cents compared to the national to the average rate of December 2014, which includes a 22 cents of fuel surcharge. Taking a look across the country by region, up in the northeastern portion of the United States, we have an average rate for flatbeds coming out of Harrisburg. PA at $3.33 per mile. Moving down into the southeastern portion of the United States, showing an average rate coming out of Atlanta for flatbeds at $2.25 per mile. Moving up into Rock Island, the midwestern portion of the United States, showing an average rate for flatbeds at $2.53 per mile. Down in the south central portion of the United States, we have Houston, Texas checking in, showing an average rate of $1.93 per mile. Out on the West Coast, Phoenix, Arizona checks in showing an average rate for flatbeds at $1.58 per mile. Moving on over to the reefer segment of the DAT trend lines report for the week of January 17th through the 23rd. Reefer load postings dropped 11% and truck postings increased 2% last week. As a result, the load to truck ratio fell 13% from 4. 0 to 3.5 loads per truck. The national average rate, reefer rate declined one cent down to $1.89 per mile. Looking back at the month of December, reefer spot market volume rose 19% in December compared to November and capacity added 2%. The resulting load to truck ratio rose 16% from 4.2 down to 4. up to 4.9 loads per truck. Compared to the typical demands of 2014, the ratio has fallen 53% over that time frame. Moving on over to the U.S. reefer report, spot market report for January 17th through the 23rd. Reefer spot market rates fell one cent last week down to $1.89 per mile as a result of a one cent drop in the fuel surcharge. Compared to the previous week, load to truck ratio declined 13%. Looking back at this time last month, the national average spot market reefer rate rose one cent from November to December, despite a three cent decline in the average fuel surcharge at $1.95 per mile. The rate was down 41 cents compared to December of 2014, including a 20 cents drop in the fuel surcharge. Checking in across the country, 
beginning up in the northeastern portion of the United States, showing an average rate for reefers coming out of Elizabeth, New Jersey, at $1.72 per mile. Lakeland, Florida, is showing an average rate out of the southeastern portion of the United States at $1.37 per mile. Green Bay, Wisconsin, up in the Midwest, always leading the pack for reefers, showing an average rate of $2.83 per mile. Down in the Rio Grande, the south-central portion of the United States, McAllen, Texas, checks in, showing an average rate for reefers at $1.84 per mile. And out on the West Coast, we have Fresno, California, checking in, showing an average reefer rate of $1.81 per mile. And that, ladies and gentlemen, wraps up the DAT trend lines report for this week. And I'm trying to go in and see if we got Chuck Snow on board here. And I think we may have him. Let's see if this is uh Chuck, is that you? You got me. All righty. I was taking a chance. I didn't see you I didn't see your name in there. <laughs> Long story. <laughs> so, 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 so it looks, like, you, it looks like my call it looks like I'm I'm good. It looks like my call screen must be asleep at the wheel there. <laughs> <laughs> how you doing tonight? So Chuck, I'm, I'm well. And how about yourself? Everything's good. No complaints. Well, I've always we're always glad to have you come on board and, and share some of your infinite wisdom with us here on the Racing Lanes podcast, Chuck. And um, I, I gave you a call earlier, and we talked about a little bit of. You know, we're going to try to focus a little bit on uh, customer service, some different things that we can do to increase the customer service other than just on-time pickup and on-time delivery. But I think we might be a little remiss if we didn't maybe delve into a little bit more, go take a little bit of a deeper dive and maybe try and see if we can help some people out by giving some information to help out with some of the lean times that may be ahead, you know, as far as giving some indications on some, some items that we might be able to use to reduce costs. And, you know, and that's why I, I wanted to kind of tout that, that uh, little free tool that I found a little earlier with the uh, cost per mile calculator, uh, free calculator that, that's being offered out there. Uh, excellent tool. If, if you don't already have those numbers down pat, that can help you. That can go a long way to getting, you know, and, and getting your belt tightened up so you can get prepared to, to be on top of your numbers in a proper fashion. I think that's wise. And I think, you know, uh, number one, you have to know your cost per mile, and your cost per mile varies depending on where you run. And, you know, I hear some of the rates, and they're going down. Um, and I think back to, you know, I've been in this business, uh, my gosh, it's over 41 years. And we were trying, you know, a dollar a mile back in, you know, when I started was a good rate. Um, And it wasn't a great rate. There were better rates out there. And that's when a brand-new truck would run you about $30,000 for a brand-new Kenworth. And a gallon of fuel was, depending on what state you bought it in, but it was around 60 cents. And a driver's wages were about 15 cents. And now we're talking, you know, on dry freight, you know, $1.60, $1.65 a mile coming out of a lot of cities. And look at how our costs have gone up in, in buying equipment and fueling that truck and everything else, as well as our own personal costs. 
So we really need to watch costs in these times because there's going to be pressure, as you mentioned, um, you know, in the rates and lanes uh, when you're giving the DAT report, uh, the the ratios are changing drastically every week, and there's becoming more uh, trucks available. And as that happens, and that's been we talked about that months ago, how that would start changing because of the mice in the oil fields, especially. And now that forest fire has caught on other places. And, I, you know, we had a caller call in the last time we spoke two weeks ago talking about the Freightliner factory laying off, I think, 800 people down in the Carolinas. And then you mentioned tonight uh, Volvo was having a layoff. Um, before you called me earlier, I just caught the end of something right. on our national uh, public radio, the equivalent to national public radio, CBC, about um, a Walmart store or uh, closing down somewhere in uh, the Carolinas, taking the town with it. Um, these are all indicative signs, and I think that being in the trucking business, we see things way before anybody else does. So our listeners need to be prepared. You know, there could be a storm here, and Noah built the ark way before it started to rain. So I think it's a great thing we can talk about tonight. Maybe these times aren't coming, and this is just a right-sizing, and I, I certainly hope that's the case. But if tough times are ahead, which they could be, I think that it's best for all of us in this industry to be prepared, uh, to batten down the hatches, and to become better at what we do. And, and one of the things that you're right on is certainly to know our cost and those tools that are available, we need to make them available. The other thing that we need to make sure is that we get paid. That is so important. And, you know, you and I are always bantering back and forth about getting your own customers. Well, what happens in these times, there are customers out there that may have their credit cut off by their incumbent carriers. And that customer that you've been pestering for uh, for freight for months and months may just call you. And the reason that he or she may call you is because they can't get credit anywhere else. And our listeners out there, these are truckers. They're not bankers. So you need to make sure that whoever you deal with, you're going to get paid. That is just number one. And if you end up um, doing work for somebody and they don't pay you, it can put you under. You know, anybody that's been in business for any length of time knows what it feels like. You do a bunch of work for somebody, and then you find out you're, you know, you, it was all for nothing. So the best advice I can give everybody out there is make sure you know who you're dealing with. If you're going to be dealing with a, uh, a shipper directly, you need to sign up with somebody like a Dun & Bradstreet or one of those credit agencies so you have some sort of idea, and they're not bulletproof. Um, there's Ansonia Credit. There's there's a number of them, and none of them are right. bulletproof, actually, I can tell you that. There's actually most of the low boys now are offering um, have the credit the credit scoring as part of the feature of their low board. Now, when you're talking direct customers, um, sometimes uh, if you are and we're not big proponents of it, but if you are using a factoring company, the factoring company will also offer to do 
credit reports, and they and 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 I've noticed I've compared different. Um, when I was using a, a factoring company, I've then I've compared the factoring company versus the report that I get off of the um, the, the credit report that we get through the low boards and the, the report that the factoring company, they have a, I think they have like a different matrix that they use with some other tools with it, but it's a lot more in depth. Um, oh yeah. Like saying that there's, there's definitely Ansonia and, and some of the other people out there that, uh, that uh, you can get signed up with that, that offer those things as well. Uh, so definitely make sure if you are using the factoring company that you're already, um, they should offer that, as a free uh, kind of a back office support to you as for using their services. So if you are using one, make sure that you're taking advantage of that, um, you know, that, that credit, that credit monitoring situation through your factoring company as well. But uh, just wanted to kind of take a little bit of a deeper dive in a, in a direction. Say that if you do get a phone call from someone that is, that is experiencing that, that they may have gotten their credit cut off or whatever. Now, does that mean that you should absolutely not, would you suggest absolutely not hauling for that person or, or maybe setting up some terms to where you can kind of get some assurances, you know, maybe a COD or, or something like that, or, 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 you know, just what are some suggestions that you would say if you wanted to, if you're willing to try and take the risk with someone that's calling you to, to uh, maybe get a foothold into a place? Well, it's number right. one. You have to set a you have to set a credit line. You remember, Rico, when we're extending credit to people, we are lending them money. Right. So, when we get that phone call from somebody, and all of a sudden, out of the blue, somebody calls you from, uh, you know, Oak Lane Chickens, and says, "Hey, Rico, I remember you coming in here. Um, yeah, you you talked to our traffic guy. We want to give you, you know, we want to give you a lane." All of a sudden, well, you know, it may be, you know, who knows? Maybe their their carrier has changed or whatever. They're, they had a problem. could all be legitimate. But trust me that whenever times get like this, um, carriers tighten up because terms have to be adhered to. Companies do, do not, if they stop adhering to their terms for whatever reason, they get cut off. They're looking for another carrier. So you have to set up terms, what the payment terms are, the, the rules of the game. If I borrow money from Rico, you're going to say, well, Chuck, uh, you need to pay me back by next Thursday, and I'm going to charge you 2% interest, or I'm going to charge you 5% or whatever. But those are the terms, and I need to pay you back in those terms. And it's the same thing when we do business with somebody. What are the terms? And... You know, if you're going to use a factoring company, I'm not a big proponent of them. I talked a little bit about that, um, the cost of it, when uh, when I was at the uh, in Kansas City. And uh, but if you're going to use a factoring company, you're paying it anyways. You may be better off if you're, especially if you're dealing with direct customer, um, to use a non-recourse. And what non-recourse factoring means is that if by chance the customer goes down you don't have to pay the money back to the factoring company. And that may now, protect you a little bit, cost you a little bit more, but it's insurance. Right. That's what I was getting ready to, that's, that's what I was getting ready to say, that you, you have to be cautious, cautious about, about that aspect of it. It may cost you a little bit more. But now, is there a situation where, say, um, pay up front? No. You're, there's some. Um, there are some. Now, really – 
it, uh, big companies don't pay up front. Um, mostly what the best you'll do with, uh, with some companies is they will pay when a load is delivered, especially if it's a company where trucking is centric to their business. Um, if it's a company where trucking is like the backbone of their business, they will probably have a system set up so they can deal with the smaller carriers and smaller brokers and pay upon receipt of bill of lading. And, you know, that's, you know, that is common, but it's never usually up front. And again, that's why some people like to deal with brokers is because they can get some upfront fuel money. They can get a cash advance. And at least when right, you're so, dealing so. with a broker, if he's a bona fide broker, he will have a bond. And it's getting harder and harder and so for this- brokers to abscond with the money because um, one, of the, one of the things I do like about your country is you guys have a, uh, a pretty tough policy down there. Um, if a broker takes off with the uh, carrier's money, you can go to jail for it. Up here in Canada, uh, there's no real laws with teeth. So it's a good system you have. So, so what? But going back and uh, kind of going back to actually knowing what your costs are. So, so this kind of goes hand in hand. So if you actually get down and know what your cost per mile features are, you know, what you're, knowing your numbers and, and you're intimately aware of where you are financially, then you can kind of take a – this could put you in a position where you could actually take a calculated risk on taking on maybe a risky, a riskier uh, customer and, and put you in – and it may – it has the benefit of it may just be – they may just be going through some things and you might be able to come out on the backside smelling like a rose if you can get in there and make that situation work. But to, to be able to do that, that goes back to actually knowing where you are financially with your company and, and taking that calculated risk. Rico, I, 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 I'm I in 100% agreement with you as far as knowing your numbers. If somebody is shaky, you can't afford to do this. We don't make enough money uh, running a truck or running any trucks to be able to write off bad debt. There's not enough. You know, and if there's if we have some listeners out there that are getting three or four dollars a mile uh, for hauling dry freight, well, they're in a different boat than than most of the people. Because when when your rates are dollar sixty five a mile, you're not making a lot of money. So you really one you know one huge um, bankruptcy, and it could be the end of your truck. So that's why you right. really have to be right. so careful. Don't get tempted. See, that's what that's what happens in these times, and that's why you'll see uh, small carriers have hard times because they end up getting wiped out by somebody that times get a little bit tough, and it goes down. Um, it goes down the road. What happens is, um, and it's it's happened. I've seen it happen lots of times where you have a really great manufacturer, and they're making furniture, for example. And they do business with a company that goes bankrupt and takes them for a whack of money and puts them over the edge if they're not properly secured. And those people right. will take their customers. You know, it just it, it's like a daisy chain. It goes right down the road. And we become very vulnerable in this business because we are a service industry. 
and we work on pennies. You know, we all we Absolutely. sell is we sell diesel fuel and labor. They're commodities. Absolutely. Absolutely. Chuck, we got someone that's got their hand raised. Want to try, try and squeeze them in real quickly. Let's. Uh, we have uh, Kenny that's got his hand up here. Let's see if we can grab Ken real quick. Ken, you're on live with Chuck and Rico. How can we help? Uh oh. I thought we had Ken. It looked like his call may have dropped. All right, well, Chuck. I'm sorry we uh, interrupted. <laughs> yeah, hopefully he calls back and we can get him back in here. Yeah. Call drop. Uh, but, yeah, you were saying, you know, make sure that we not get tempted by the carrot so much and, and, and fall for the, you know, you think you're getting the carrot and you end up getting the stick. That's right. Exactly. And you don't get it where you want it either. You're not going to be carrying the stick. <laughs> so, you know, you know, when we were talking about, you know, trying to get into this deal with the customer service and things like that as well. Um, what are some different avenues? What are some different things and suggestions that you could make to someone that they could also use as a, you know, by by being outstanding in their customer service? What are some other things that one could do to kind of set themselves, to differentiate themselves from the competition that's out here? Well, and that's going to be really important for everybody. Uh, if, if we were to have tough times, setting yourself apart from the competition is what's going to carry you through. So it's not just picking up the load, but it's calling the customer or the broker and letting, giving him an update of, okay, I've picked up your load, I've got 26 skids on. Um, and then let's say you're running a, a trip from, let's say, uh, Detroit, Michigan to, um, let's say, to Denver, Colorado. Uh, you phone the end of the first day or you send them an email or a text and tell them where you are. You know, I'm I'm in Iowa um, or I'm in Kansas City, whatever. And then the next day, you know, when you've unloaded, send him a, a text or an email or phone call and say, you know, uh, everything is good. You know, this is where I am. Um, and at the, once you've unloaded, send him a copy of the bill lading. That goes miles. Right. With a signed proof of delivery. And keep them updated. Oh, don't, you know, uh, don't, if you keep them updated, um, power, knowledge is power. The more information you give them, the better they can do their job. Communication. And they just want to hear from you. And those are the things you can do. The other thing, uh, another little secret to being a little bit more successful in this business, especially those that... They're driving their own trucks. When you walk into a factory or you walk into a scale or whatever, for God's sakes, don't look like you're going to the beach. I think, you know, you talk about customer service or you're going to go and see a broker or pick up the check, dress the part. I'm not telling you to, you know, to put a suit on, but look clean. Uh, wear, wear, like, trucker apparel, like a pair of jeans or a pair of pants and a, and a shirt that doesn't have um, – a beer company being advertised across it. You know, wear a clean shirt. Um, look professional. It goes miles. You know, you walk right. into a factory, into a, uh, you know, a shipper or receiver, 
and you look like you're going to a beach, you get treated that way. You want to get unloaded quickly, look like you know what you're doing. Maybe you don't know what you're doing, but at least look that way. And, you know, that's There's another part of customer service. There was an interesting um, survey that was put out by DAT. Not quite sure exactly what the findings are. If they've released uh, all of the findings, but they were. It was a survey that talks about, um, and I posted a copy of it also on the fa- Racing Lane's Facebook page. It was talking about what does detention really? Uh, what's the re- true cost of detention? And. Uh, Trying to, I'm using that to say to ask a question to lead into the question about uh, with all of this stuff coming down with the EOBRs and all this, you know, we've kind of beaten that horse as well. But logical thinking would lead one to think that okay, once all the the EOBR and all this stuff is mandated, that we should see an increase in rates. Um, what do you say about that? It really depends on what the economy is doing at the time. If the economy is in a tailspin, no, you won't. Um, Because, you know, we're in the trucking business. We just keep giving stuff away. We're famous for that. No other industry does the stupid stuff we do in our industry. And, you know, there can be 10 of us can sit down at a table and say, well, we're going to charge for detention and we're going to charge for fuel and we're going to charge for this and that and you know what if we break up from that meeting there'll be six guys that'll you know that'll break that that deal happens all the time and right it really depends i'd love to see uh and i know the big guys are all um you know they're all rubbing their hands and they're going yeah the uh the obrs are the best thing in the world it's going to fix all of our problems um, I don't think it will. Um, I think that the little guys are very resilient, and you know they're hoping that the little guys are going to go away and just fall fall apart for reasons that you and I spoke about. The fact that you buy this, um, you know, this truck that I don't know how much they are in the United States now, 125 or 140 thousand dollars, whatever. They're they're getting close to 200 thousand right. up here, and you buy yes, these trucks and you can't here. run them for. 70 hours a week. It doesn't make financial sense. And that's where the big guys are hoping. They're going to slip seat and and do all sorts of wonderful things uh, to make better usage of that equipment. And that's where you and I got talking a couple of weeks ago about working cooperatively. And I think the little guys right. will do things like that because, you know what, we're truckers and we give stuff away, but we're we're not always stupid. And when it comes time to push comes to shove, um, we're pretty good at banding together, even as little guys sometimes, if it means that we're going to stay in business. If that's the if that's the avenue we have to take to stay in business, we will band together and work cooperatively together so that we can make better use of our equipment and just do things differently. So I see we got a couple of people with their hands held up. I'm waiting on my screener to get to them. We're going to get to you as soon as we can get you get you guys cleared through. We're going to come straight to you here in just a second. 
Don't want you to think we're we're forgetting about you. Um, gentleman on the 404 line screen says he tried to come to you twice and they can't get you on the line. So uh, if you're calling in from a 404 phone number, be listening for a screener. They're going to try to come back to you here in just a second. But, um, Chuck, let's see. I think we may have Ken back. This may be Ken here. Let's see if we can try and get Ken. Uh, Ken, is that you? Hello, Ken. Call her. Okay, maybe not. I'm going to put them back on hold, see if the screen can go back to that 937 number and get them up as well. Let's see, we have Luke with his hand raised. We're going to go to Luke right now. Luke. Yeah, my question is, Hi, is Luke. I, I think you're from Canada. Yes. Uh, how, how did uh, things change when Canada went to the e-logs versus we the owner-operators versus the big companies? Luke, we're just like you. Um there are some people going to e-logs. It's, it hasn't been mandated here yet, but we're going to oh, uh, we'll be in lockstep with the U.S. I can tell you from my own experience with my own fleet, um, many of our drivers prefer e-logs. They're loving it. Uh, um, now, the only go ahead. Oh, I, go ahead. I was just going to add something in there. Um. The only guys that had a real hard time was, with it was our flatbed guys because there's so much that. work. You know, that's going to be a real problem. Um, I think some of the produce guys get it going up the road at first will, um, but I think, I think that will work itself out because at the end of the day, the produce shippers have to get their product to market. Okay. So See, like with, with my operation, I run two trucks. Um, I, I run covered wagons and I haul LTL and I haul green back on them covered wagons. And yeah, we got about two hours of unloading them when we're shoveling it off the trailer, but you know, it's not a big, big deal. Cause a lot of those places we can sleep at. Right. So myself, I'm going to cheat it and I'm not going to, I'm not going to log that time. Any, any sensible person would, but I think, I think I'm going to have to make better planning as far as I'm going to have to spend more more time in one area making my pickup and then go make my deliveries and then turn around and come back. Yeah, and I'm going to tell you something. It's the way to do go it, ahead. except for one thing. You need to start running your paper logs as if you were on an electronic log. You can't you, – you've got to stop, and, and this goes for everybody. <clears throat> if your business model, that your current business model – works around you cheating, you're not going to survive. So you got to change your business model now and make those changes now with your paper logs. Pretend you're on electronic logs, and you, you cannot, you're not going to get away with this cheating once this law is passed. Right. I thought about uh, also just putting them in ahead of time and seeing how, seeing how things went. Great you idea. Know, seeing what... You know, seeing where I could adapt, and then if it didn't work, I mean, this is a second career to me. I mean, I worked on cars for 15 years. I could certainly go back to doing it. I mean, I'd miss the income that I make now, but, you know, 
one more thing to, one more thing to throw out there. There 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 are some free apps out there for people that may be listening. There are some free apps out there, Big Road and, and you don't have to pay for those initially unless you sign up for the whole whole thing. But uh I know that those apps that are out there which you can use on your smartphone and you can kinda use that as a way to kind of um get used to an e log or whatever and you can start running that to kind of run parallel with your paper logs to kind of get yourself, um, you know, to get yourself acclimated to having to run if you if, if you were if you were running strictly and it takes away a little bit of the fudge factor and everything. But of course, I know all the people listening to us tonight. You know, nobody cheats on their logs on on this show. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I use that keep trucking nap. I like that one. It's not bad. I was using it for a while and then I don't know. It's just. I don't know. We're back to paper logs. Well, every driver that's uh, right. that's pulling dry vans and reefers that's gone on to um, e-logs does not want to go on paper. It's just yeah. like, uh, Luke, it's just the same way as you give a guy a truck with an automatic transmission and he hollers and complains and, and tells you it's the worst idea that he, he's ever heard of. And two weeks later, if you went to take that truck away, he'd kill you. Yeah. I, I demoed an Evolution, the Freightliner Evolution here recently, and I really liked that truck. Um, I got in some bad weather where it was real cold, and I had to let the truck idle, and that, that killed my fuel mileage. But when uh, on the, the first leg of my trip, when it was all said and done, I was right at 80,000, and I was sitting at 8.1 with that truck. I was wow. real impressed with it. Yeah, I was real impressed. I mean, you're not you're not driving down the road seventy mile an hour by no means. You know, no, but you but, shouldn't uh, be anyways. You know, that's not a way to do 62 business. Sixty-two mile an hour. I think I was driving sixty-one. Yeah, and uh, it was. And that's going to be the uh, new world tested. order, guys. You know, um, it started up here in Canada with these speed limiters, and uh, you no, can be restored. So next line of questioning. You guys are going to get fed this thing too. Yep. Yeah, they already have it. They they already have it coming down. That's one of the things that they're getting ready to propose rule making coming down the pipe right now is the uh the speed limiter situation. Yeah. Um takes a long time to get used to, but you know, it's it's gonna put money in your pocket. Yeah, I would agree with that. Um I've always drove fairly slow. Uh, the thing I don't like is man, some of these guys come out here and they're just flying and it's just like how, I want to know how they're profitable first. Um, well, because they are in these, it depends what they're hauling. You know, if they've got a, you're hauling LTL, you know damn well if you you have a great load of LTL and you're getting, you know, one of those super loads, uh, super paying loads, not super load, but super paying loads, and you're getting 4 or $5 an hour, a mile, um, you know what, an extra couple hundred bucks on fuel, you don't mind paying it if you don't, if you're not watching your money, you know, you're yeah. throwing it out the window, I really. A, I, okay. I tried to be yeah, real I conscious of it. I got, a, I, got a, I got a totally different different take on that, with the, you know, but, I, but you, you kind of brought it right back home. I, and for the most part, and even Kevin Rutherford says this a lot, you know, for the most part, if you go up to yeah, any most guys at truck stop and you ask them what their cost per mile is, they're going to look at you like you got three heads. They don't have a clue. Um, and, and that's because we're not really running our business as a business. And if we're not running our business as a business, then, you know, we're just doing things by the seat of our pants, which means I can't drive that slow. I'm going to fall asleep if I drive that slow. You know, I, I, I get joked about it all the time, but, you know, if, 
you got to run your business. You got to keep a thumb on your numbers, and you got to stay on top of them. Got to stay on top yeah. of them. Did you have You're right on the money, there, Rico. This is this is where we get into trouble Thanks, in guys. our industry because this Thank is a, a business of, uh, although it's a, a a business that is around, it's numerocentric. It's all around numbers. There's way too many of us in our industry that are emotional, and we make decisions with our hearts and not our heads. And that's the guy right, with the big right. long nose truck that's doing 85 miles an hour down the highway. He is not using his head. He's using his heart because he loves driving fast. Yes, sir. That's not the way to run well, your Chuck, business. Let's see. We got we got Keith online here. Let's see if we can grab Keith and get him up on board with us. Okay. Here. Keith, you're on live with Rico and Chuck. How can we help? Hi, guys. Uh, thanks for taking my call. And I've been on my own now for one year with my own authority. And it is not easy. <laughs> Congratulations. Not easy. And I can tell you my rate, it cost me a dollar forty four a mile to run my whole operation last year. That's including my household expenses. So that's uh and and I can tell you I took a loss because when you start a business you aren't gonna be profitable right away because you gotta figure it out. And uh well you guys are giving good information. Uh I did do one direct shipper my first year. And I found out it doesn't work out all the time. Um, it was a good deal. It was a government contract that they were dealing with. So it was pretty neat. But I'm still probably potentially a customer for them in the future. But it's just hard to get back. And then you see how bad the rates are on the East Coast to get back to the Midwest. And you're just like, wow. It's, it's eye-opening. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> Let me ask you something. Uh, we're... Where are you running to, uh, Jersey area? No, that load actually went to Carlisle, Pennsylvania. Okay. Area, and so that's yep. a real tough. That's a lot of trucks around there. Um, and what sort of trailer are you are you running? I'm doing dry van. I kind of always been dry van pretty much my whole career trucking. Okay. Um, uh, I, are you I not able like to get out of uh, you know Harrisburg, Carlisle? Uh, that whole area, you can't get a load out of there. Well, I, it's, I did one load for them last year, and then what I find is they aren't set up because they, they deal with the government. They have to be checked off on the product and all that. Right. So when I get back to town, they aren't ready for me, and I, you know, I try to explain to them nicely that I can't. I'm a one-person show, so I can't be sitting much. I got to kind of get something and keep going, keep the ro- wheels rolling, you know. But they, they yeah, are understanding. I get it, um, and you know there is, and I'm not saying it because I own a, uh, a load brokerage firm, but for a, a small operator, there's an awful lot of, of great advantages to tie up with a few really good load brokers that have volumes of freight, um, and you become one of their guys, and they'll work with you, and you work with them, and that way when you get back into town, they want to load you out again. When you get to your destination, if it's a good load broker that's got plenty of business, you get to your destination, he'll be able to work with you to get you back home so he can reload you. It's to his advantage. Yeah, yeah, and I'm starting to fear I've used some of the bigger brokers, and they're starting to give, because I've been doing it a year now, they're starting to say they like me, and they that's start great. calling you back. And then they're like, well, we like how you keep, like you're giving advice, 
like I sign up for those apps so they can keep track of you. They love that because then they sure. they don't have to bug you and they see where yep. you're going. And I'm like, yeah, it makes my job easier too. I feel like I'm not doing much because I just keep driving the truck or whatever. But they do like that. I've noticed that. That, and then I'm like, well, I guess it's pretty good if they're giving you compliments. So yeah, you, can't well, be doing you know what, you're doing it wrong. right. You're 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 embracing customer service. Uh, you know your costs. Um, you're going to weather if there is a storm, Keith. You're going to weather it uh, because you know you're one of the few guys out there that. And I shouldn't say one of the few. You're one of the guys out there that does know his cost. Yeah, that's right. the big thing I've learned. That even listening to like Rico Shaw or Kenny or even Kevin Rutherford, boy, you're right. You, like you guys say, it changes. I mean, now like this month. My truck went down on me last year starting out because I bought an old truck. So now I had to upgrade to I bought an old Schneider truck, which is a glider, which is a great right. motor. And it's the, the gear for fuel economy. And now I know this truck's going to settle down on maintenance. So now I know this January is a lot better than what I was going through with that other old truck I had. And then the process of switching over, it's not easy when you aren't used to dealing with all the red tape and all that. <laughs> right, yeah. You, you get some downtime. Yep, yeah, paper, you know, learning the process, changing your permits and all that, and dealing with New Mexico and all that stuff. And <laughs> But it's, and I had another friend now, he came out and he found out it's not for him because it's tough right now when you aren't used to doing it. So, no, I don't know. And I think. I'm sorry, go ahead, go ahead, Keith. No, go ahead. You guys can go. Sounds like you're doing everything right. uh, Yeah, I noticed on one of the groups, um, someone posted, um, I I don't remember which group it was in. I'm a a part of so many of these groups here on Facebook. But but I've seen someone tag me in a post, and someone was saying that they were, you know, they kind of felt, less than a man that they had to give, they're having to give up their business because they, they weren't able to make it. And I don't think that that's, um, I, I don't think that that's the approach that anyone should have, especially with, you know, business is tough. And not just because you fail once or whatever, most of your great, great, great uh, entrepreneurs have always have have fallen uh, have have always failed at some aspect at some point you know what I'm saying and it just prepared them to uh, you know set them up for a comeback for the next for the next venture or whatever and I'm, I'm pretty sure that we're gonna we may have some people I mean hell I'm not trying to say that the hell that I may I may even experience you know not not trying to uh, you know you never know where where your obstacles and everything may come. But, you know, I just want to try to give a, a little bit of word of encouragement to someone that just because, you know, it's, it's going to be tough. And it's not, no one said it's going to be easy because, hell, if it was easy, everybody would be doing it. But we're trying to, as a collective, as a group, you know, that's the whole thing behind the podcast that we're doing with, with myself and that Kenny and, and the information that Kevin is giving out. And Chuck, Chuck Snow has been so gracious to come on here and, and share some of his knowledge is that, you know, we're trying to, for us smaller guys that need, some insight and some different things that we might need to do to try to help uh, propel us and throw us to the next level. These, that's why the whole purpose of the groups and everything else, you know, don't be afraid to ask questions. Don't be afraid to, you know, if there's someone out there that's willing to share information and, and 
don't don't be afraid to try something different. If you if you're doing something and it's not working for you, you have to be willing to change. You got to be willing to experiment. A great book that kind of helped nail that point home. If, if you guys are listening, I know we got a lot of audio book listeners out there. Is a book called Who Moved My Cheese. Mm-hmm. Excellent book. Short, very short book. But check that book out. Who moved my cheese? And it talks, and it, it's all about being able to change, being able to identify different things that are going on, and adapting to the the coming changes that may be coming down the pipe. Um, just wanted to put that out there. I seen that post and, and some of the stuff that Keith was talking about. It kind of pricked a little bit of something in my mind. And 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 uh, Chuck, we got our good friend George calling in. Let's see if we can grab George real quick. George, how you doing? Good evening. Doing well. How are you guys? Hey, George. Happy New Year. Well. Happy New Year, Chuck. I, I think I owe you a phone call from like a year ago, but I've kind of been busy. And uh, I know, buddy. You're, you're really touching on a lot of things. And, Rico, when you got talking about being able to adapt, I mean, you have to do that. And, and you know, even though, I mean, I'm three and a half years into starting the company, but, you know, so many people I don't think, you know, understand what it took for, you know, Kim and I to get to the point of, to build what we started. I mean, I'm going to be 50 years old in April. I have over 20 years of building a foundation to grow on it, and yet there's folks out here that are getting, you know, I'm going to say it this way and be harsh, going out, getting their own authority, buying themselves a job, getting a truck, and it's so much more than that, and it doesn't happen in a year. Uh, You know, as you were talking earlier about, you know, credit references and credit checks, you, you know, fortunately, I don't do those, but if I have anybody in question, I have past employers that I'm friends with that I can call and say, hey, double-check this guy for me. And, but I haven't had an issue, but I but I also know all my customers, and I also focus on working with my customers that are in my backyard and close by. So if I have an issue where things don't get paid, I can walk in and knock on the door and say, hey, how you doing? Can we talk for a little bit? I, I mean, you you've got to have that. And, and as Rico and Chuck, you know, I mean, I am, you know, last year I was 0.007% of my business was broker free. And, you know, and I like it that way. I want to deal directly with the customers, but that's also had its, its pros and cons. You know, I mean, I've got a lot of empty miles, but I'm still sitting very well in the grand picture of it all. Yeah. And, you know, uh, you're a true success story. Um, now, you've had, in all fairness to, to everybody, you've got a background in sales, which a lot of our listeners don't have, which gives you a little bit of a leg up compared to, you know, somebody that's been, you know, doing something else their whole life. Yeah, and it, it and it's not easy. I mean, the, the statistics behind, you know, whether you just want to say the sales call or versus success, I mean, it is a lot of work. You know, and you've got to be used to or get yourself used to hearing the word no. Trust me, after over 20 years of being in sales, I still hate hearing it. But, boy, when you (laughs) you hear that, yeah, I mean, it makes your day. But, you know, I put on a second truck in the fall. My first driver didn't work out very well, not for anything wrong. He just didn't like it. I mean, he thought, you know, driving a tractor trailer would be so different. He went back to a job making 20% less than I'm, I was offering. Now I've got a, you know, another employee that's kind of really 
hitting well and but you know adjusting to what is involved and what the customer needs but that you know as you said you know be there present the image you know shake someone's hand don't look like you're going to the beach but you've got to be there for your customer and take care of them it, it is so easy to rise above in this industry i mean i you know i, I don't know how much time i'll have i'm about to come on the george washington bridge i have five stops in long island in the morning and then I just deadhead back, and I'm on power-only work. And yet there's so many people out there say, oh, I'm not going to Long Island. Oh, good. I'm glad you don't. Makes my life easy. <laughs> I love your attitude. because, And that's what, and anybody out there that's listening, do the stuff the other guys don't want to do, and you'll make money. That's the problem. Everybody says, oh, I don't go, you know, I won't go anywhere past the Delaware Water Gap. That's good. You know, we hear it all the time from drivers. I got a whole fleet of them. Um, you know, they won't go, you know, anywhere east of, uh, you know, of 15. Um, and uh, not, and I'm not talking about 15 in uh, that uh, that you run out of Salt Lake. I'm talking about the one on the east coast. Um, and there, there's guys out there that do run that east, and they do very well. So the big secret, you know, is do the stuff not everybody wants to do. As Kevin always says, and I love it, do the hard work. And this is the hard work, the stuff other guys don't want to do. It's running those loads into Long Island or into Jersey. Yeah, and, and I mean, none of it of, of what I see, and I'm not even talking about the niche side that that I really am building the business on. That You know, the niche side and, and the, the artwork and, the, and the, the, the high values, I want that to be my baby. The, those are the moves that come up every so often, I do them. But, you know, I, I have this one account that just, I was using them for fill-in work, and then they just blossomed into more. And then last summer, they were the ones that approached me and said, hey, would you consider putting on another truck? I'll, I'll get, give you a contract for three loads a week. And it's it's worked out very well. I mean, sure. you know, but, it, you know, you've got to be there, and you have to listen to your customers and hear what's going on around you. Yep. You know, but They'll as, tell you what I, they as need. I talk, uh, yeah, and as I talk about, you know, here I am in Western New York. That is where I target business. Yes, I have some customers in Nebraska. I have some, you know, down south, you know, uh, dealers that I work with. But I'm not going out to solicit somebody in Vegas. I can't do that. I don't care yeah. if I have two trucks or if I have ten trucks. I, I can't go out and solicit myself as, oh, I'm a 48 state carrier. No, you, you can't do it right. And and you said it uh, about a month or two ago. I think the target and the best area, if, if you want to make it, is going to be that regional. You oh, don't yeah. need to run a lot of miles. Run as few miles as you can. That's how you make sure money. Careful saying that, Chuck. I got, I, got a, I got a bunch of friends out there that really talk to me about how I don't really work very hard. but <laughs> You work smart, not hard. <laughs> well, that's, that's, that's kind of my that's, thought. And that's what... That's definitely what it's all about. George, we appreciate you calling in. We're coming up on the top of the hour here. We're getting ready to wrap up. Already? Yeah, it flew by on us, Chuck. we got to make George, this longer, Rico. Call. It's I just not enough time, buddy. <laughs> I tell you what, Chuck, on the days that you, on the days that we have you on, we might we might have to consider doing that. We might have to consider jumping it out to maybe an hour, 30 minutes or something like that. I, but I don't, yeah, I don't want to take time, you know? <laughs> I don't. I don't want to be. I don't want to be too cavalier with your time and everything, you know. So I. No, I, I, I enjoy. I you know what, Rico? I enjoy this. I really do. 
Great, great. Well, Chuck, before we wrap up, is there anything that you want us to give give some folks out there your contact information if they want an uh, opportunity maybe to get in contact with you to get any loads or anything else like that? You want to put your contact information uh, out there? First of all, if anybody needs loads or they have any questions, um, we are Canada's oldest load brokerage service as well as we have a fleet, but our brokerage service has interstate loads. There, We have all sorts of them. We have uh, some flatbed van and lots of reefer loads going all over. Uh, you can call me. I'll get you set up. Number's 800-388-4352. My direct extension is 203. My email is chuck at traffics.com, and that's T-R-A-F-F-I-X. Uh, send me an email. If you, you're having an issue, I respond to everybody. Uh, if you want to call me, give me a call. I'm always glad to chat with somebody in the profession. Everybody out there, that is absolutely be safe, and be profitable. That is absolutely correct, and and and, and they pay really fairly on their loads. I pulled a couple of loads for for Chuck, and then Chuck didn't know I was pulling a couple of them, but I, but we pulled a couple of loads for Chuck. They paid really well. And uh, we were satisfied, and, and actually they pay pretty quickly as well, too. So, Chuck, I don't know, you might want to throw that out there next time, too. I think you pay we like, do. seven we'll, days. We try to pay in 24 hours. That's what we work towards. There you go. <laughs> well, with that said, ladies and gentlemen, we appreciate you taking time out of your busy schedule to join us here at the Racing Lanes Podcast. And we would like to give kudos and shouts out to those who helped make this podcast possible Kevin Rutherford and Lisa Rutherford and the entire, and I do mean the entire Let's Truck team. There's too many of them to name, but they definitely all play a role and an integral part in trying to, you know, for us to be able to bring this platform to you to to put this show out there. So we want to thank everyone that is involved. This is Rico Muhammad signing off live from Atlanta, Georgia. We will hopefully get a chance to talk with you and speak with you all again next week. Um, and I think next week you definitely want to check us out because I think that's going to be the fourth week. So we probably will have on Henry Seaton. i got to check my calendar, but I think Mr. Seaton will be joining us next week. All right, ladies and gentlemen, this, this is Rico Mohammed signing off live. Be safe, be profitable, and keep the shiny side up out there. Good night, everybody. Good night, Rico. God bless. Good night, Chuck. Good night. Thanks again. Thanks for joining us on Rates and Lanes. If you like what you heard here, leave us a rating and review on iTunes or listen to our other shows at audioroad.letstruck.com. To get in touch with our tribe, call us at 855-800-PUEL. That's 855-800-3835. Thanks for joining us for the ride down the audio road.